welcome to what will now be known as it's called soccer. This is the former lands of FIFA America. So before we get started with this episode, I feel like we just owe you guys an explanation. And really me, I owe you guys an explanation. FIFA America was started last year. This is actually going to be our one year anniversary episode, which is crazy to say. But going along with the FIFA America moniker and the brand, it seemed like it was going well from the USMNT perspective. But a lot of people were finding it difficult from first glance to understand what the channel or what the podcast was about, sometimes mistaking it for FIFA the video game. So It's Called Soccer is really the same channel with the same mission to bring soccer to all in the US. And we're not changing anything except the name and the brand to make it easier for people to find us, for the channel to grow, and for us to reach more people. So thank you guys so much for everyone that's come along through all the name changes, brand changes, uh, people changes on the podcast. We've been able to welcome Ryan this year as well to the podcast, which we're so happy about. But yeah, that's the update. That's our name change. That's what's happening. But today, we're going to be talking about the June match previews for the U.S. men's national team. They're going to be taking on Morocco and Uruguay in exhibition matches, and then Nations League matches against Granada and El Salvador. Then we're going to give our favorite memories from this past year on the podcast and the channel. And then we're going to talk about Ethan Horvath and Alex Mighton, who are now going to be in the Premier League. Nottingham Forest has won their promotion in the English Championship playoff. Guys... It's been a while. I think we've all been back in the U.S. or traveling. Ryan or Tom has graduated from his master's degree and is looking to become a doctor. Next, Ryan has had escapades in the U.S. and is now back in Germany. I had a wedding last weekend in the U.S., but I am now back. So the whole gang is back. The whole gang is here. That's enough talking for me. Ryan, how are you, man? Welcome back. Yeah, man. Thank you guys so much. I'm I'm really pumped to be back. Uh, and yeah, just getting ready for another like summer of soccer, getting ready to roll up to the World Cup. Uh, my time in the States was wild. I was in you know, San Diego, Phoenix, Albuquerque and rolling through the Southwest and got to visit some family and touch base. It had been over two years since I'd been home. Uh, so definitely good. Just uh, put boots on the ground back in the States get some of that good home food that I had been missing, even though I do, you know, love a lot of the German food out here. And yeah, really just get a chance to, I took in a San Diego Loyal game while I was there. So that was cool. Get, get to see a little bit of the USL vibe. And yeah, man, just just made the best out of it. Played a bunch of golf as well. And now I'm back in Germany and getting ready to stay up late to, to watch a bunch of games this summer. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I can say happily that at least the Morocco and Uruguay game are not at three or four in the morning for us. <laughs> yeah, man, the, the time zones, there, there was a couple, it was even weird for me when I was back in the States. The first Saturday I woke up and I was like, oh, there's Bundesliga games on like right now. And it, like, it, it took me back. I, I loved that feeling of when I lived in the States. I, I really do enjoy that more versus for me, typically games don't kick off till like 1530. Uh, in the afternoon so on a Saturday morning if, there, if there's a big game that you're looking forward to or you know you get the notification that Geo or Scally is starting and you, you're pumped about it but you know you got to wait a little while so yeah being back in the states I was jealous I definitely do miss it a bit yeah. uh, that that feeling of waking up on a weekend morning little breakfast burrito in San Diego and some soccer nothing better nothing like it and for you ignorant Americans 1530 is 3:30 in the afternoon by the way uh, yeah. Tom, speaking of time changes, someone is moving as we speak 
Yep. <laughs> How are you, man? What's going on? What's new? Dude, I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back. Uh, glad that we're celebrating one year. I cannot believe it's been a year since we started this whole thing. It's awesome to see how much we've grown and how far we've come. Um, I graduated two weeks ago from New Mexico Tech with my master's degree. And this weekend is unfortunately the weekend I had to say goodbye to my home in rural New Mexico. And so we are currently outside Shreveport making our way back to Tennessee for the summer. So I figured I'd call in and join from the road and you know, talk some soccer. It's going to be an awesome summer of soccer. I'm looking forward to all of it. We're always, always happy to have you. All right. So some housekeeping, some announcements. We have a sponsor. So here's an ad. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures, and of course, the best sport in the world, soccer. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started, so head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. All right, that was an ad, guys. <laughs> Thanks for getting through that. Very smooth. Okay. Yes, very smooth and graceful. Also, uh, we are doing a live stream for the Scotland-Ukraine game this Wednesday. It will be at 2.45 Eastern time, 7.45 UK time. This is going to determine the semifinal playoff winner that gets to take the stage in Group B against the US, England, and Iran. So that winner will then take on Wales on June 5th, I believe. So we are going to be live streaming, watching the game. So come watch along with us, chat with all of us. And Maxwell may be there as well. If you know his channel, it's amazing. Uh, what else? We have free tickets to give away to the US Granada game. So all you need to do for that is subscribe to the channel, subscribe to Sam's channel at the Midweek Fixture, and comment down below why you should get the tickets. That's it. Do you guys have any service announcements? Ooh, I want to go ahead and plug uh, for the U.S.-Uruguay game. I will be there in person. It's my first U.S. game since the first home game of World Cup qualifying. And my sister and I are going to be setting up a ta small little tailgate at the uh, American Outlaws tailgate. So if you want to come by, uh, bring some beer and just chill with me and my sister and hang out before the game. Would love to see some people out there. Go meet Tom. Tom is an amazing person. He's probably a moderately good soccer player, Ooh. but someone probably needs to go play on, with him and tell us. Probably not on um, uh, uh, pavement. Better, much better <laughs> on grass, but we'll see. Got no handles. <laughs> nice. Probably, probably be a better, better drinker than soccer player. At, at yeah, that, that's, that's probably it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, at this Don't stage in life. Part. You know, when I'm seven years younger than Cristiano Ronaldo, I, I'm still a better drinker than I am soccer player. So there. we win some, we For lose sure. some, my, guys. Yeah. My, my one plug will be is, you know, even with the name change that it's called soccer, still just want to throw it out there. Everybody that calls it football, foosball here in Germany, everybody's welcome, man. Yeah. And I'm going to do it as well. I live in England. That's what it's called here. So... It's called soccer. Great for American audiences, provocative for everybody else. And that's the deal. We're trying to grow. We're going to sprint to the finish in the World Cup and see what goes beyond. But guys, let's talk about the road to the World Cup for the U.S. men's national team. So the World Cup draw was at the beginning of April. 
We had the Nations League draw at the same time as well. And now we have the summer international window. So like I said, there's two friendlies, one against Morocco and Uruguay, and then two Nations League matches against Granada and El Salvador. After that, we're going to have two friendlies in the fall international window. And after that, it's the World Cup. So really, there's maybe six games left, six matches left for this U.S. team to get everything in order going into the World Cup in November. Let's talk about what success looks like for us from a USMNT perspective going into these four matches in the summer. Uh, obviously, there's two exhibitions. There's two Nations League matches. We are bringing an experienced roster with what likely includes most of our best 11. And at the same time, we've called in some players that maybe are getting a tryout, maybe are getting a test. Someone like Malik Tillman, who is on Bayern Munich, but played most of the season in the fourth division in Germany. Uh, someone like Haji Wright, who is making his first uh, camp appearance for the U.S. Uh, senior team. But actually, in the youth stages, he had more goals and assists than Christian Pulisic did on the same squad. So players that are starting to come into their own have some form, or players that we just need to test and see what they're about. All of those players are included on this roster. So, Ryan, I'm going to kick it over to you first. What does success look like? What should we, we be looking for from a USMNT perspective? So for me, I mean, I, I want to start it out on a fairly positive note that I'd love to see some consistency. You know, we there's still a handful of positions that we don't really have nailed down yet. And still time will tell because, you know, this, when the season kicks off in September, we're going to need to see who's in form and who's getting minutes. So those things will be important. But the one thing that I would really love to see, and unfortunately the roster doesn't call for my preferred two, but I really think we need to start to nail down a center back pairing. The constant rotation amongst the center back pairing for me is a big concern. So if we could come out of even this window and even really the September window as well and, and have a better general idea on who our two starting center backs is, whoever Greg wants to pick. I mean, I think we all have our preferences. For me, the big one and the big omission is going to be John Brooks. I think that's a conversation that's been had a million times. Everybody knows how they feel about it. Everyone has their stance, but a player that got 600 more minutes in a top five league than any other American player not being called in the roster to me is a little bit shocking. So, you know, other countries have the luxury to be able to leave off guys like that. I just don't know that we're there quite yet. So a little bit concerning to me, but really stoked to see Cameron Carter Vickers in there, given a chance, Eric Palmer Brown's a guy I like a lot. So I'd like to see them potentially get a chance to play with each other. Uh, I know one of the big pushes is, you know, Joe Scally coming in and his versatility to be able to play on the right and the left. So he does offer a little bit for us uh, as far as a backup for Anthony Robinson or Jedi. Uh, so, you know, I'd really just love to start to see some consistency amongst the back line, but we don't have Brooks, we don't have Richards in this camp. So for me, we can't achieve that. And that's a concern of mine. But if Greg has guys that he likes, I just want to see him stop playing musical chairs in the back. I want to see him really nail it down. And then for the midfield, I think we, you know, we kind of with the guys on the roster besides Malik Tillman, uh, you know, George, uh, Mihailovic getting hurt was really a big blow, but it sounds like, you know, some, some rumblings that I'm hearing, he might be there. Uh, so that, that could be cool to see, have him get a chance in there. And then, you, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth. I'm really excited to see Haji Wright up top. Um, it, you know, we, we'll get into Nottingham Forest a bit later and some of the, the wingers on that team of guys that we maybe wanted to see here. 
But yeah, overall, for me, the most important thing coming out of this window is just going to be consistency and Greg making decisions on who he wants to play and start getting some true chemistry with that starting 11, mixing in, you know, two or three subs here and there. But the musical chairs in the back for me has to stop. Yeah. What is your preferred center back pairing then, Ryan? Brooks and Richards, no doubt. I don't have to think twice about that. I mean, so Richards is recovering from an injury right now. Brooks has likely seen his last time with a Greg team, at least a Greg Berhalter U.S. team, at least out of this roster. Like, who is that for you? So for this roster, uh, I'm really excited to see EPB in there. He, I, He's a guy that... I recall watching back when he was with the U20 World, playing in the U20 World Cup, showed tons of positional flexibility. He even played the six in that World Cup for us, even though he's been a center back. So he's a guy that when I see his game, it, it reminds me a lot of Chris Richards. He's got some good range passing. They're still young, though, and they can make a, a few young mistakes. So that is concerning. So I like a guy like EPB. And then, you know, if you want to team him up with somebody like a Walker Zimmerman, who's more of that senior statesman, he probably is not going to try to be fancy out of the back. You, you might see a little bit of route one out of him, but it's safe and it's consistent. So I think if you can pair some, you know, solid athleticism with some ability to distribute out of the back, if that's especially how we're going to try to play, we need to have guys out of the back that can distribute. And personally for me, if it's someone like Zimmerman and Long, those guys aren't it. They're super strong one-on-one -on -one defensively. Totally agree with that. But, you know, I want to see some talent mixed in that can move the ball as well. So out of this camp, uh, really excited for EPB. And then I would probably match him up with Zimmerman if we're trying to really take a look on what we could be seeing further down the line. But also super excited to see, CC, to see CCV. That's a, kind of a mouthful. Um, so, yeah, I'll I don't Premier League. So, you know, I've seen the stat lines and know he's been performing well, but this will be one of the first times in a, in a while that I've actually seen him play in like in a game. So looking forward to that, too. And based on that, Tom, are, are these the right opponents for us to test ourselves against? I think these first two opponents are an excellent test for us. You got two teams that are qualified for the World Cup. Uruguay is going to be a threat to make the quarterfinals. I would be shocked if Morocco is not a threat to make the knockout round. They've got a really deep squad. So it's it's just going to be a good test to see us against World Cup opposition, teams that we know are historically very good in international play. So I, I really want to see us throw out a good, strong first-choice lineup against these two teams and see how our 11 matches up against World Cup teams. And if Ryan talked about what success looks like from a roster perspective, Tom, what are you looking for in terms of experimentation tactically and stylistically for the U.S. team? I So Berhalter mentioned, actually, he wants to play a back three and test that out sometime in this camp. I think that probably Morocco is the best game we're going to have to really test and see what that looks like against a truly experienced, solid squad before the World Cup. We're going to see a team that has players who can attack, who know how to score goals. They're not going to sit back and counterattack like we know Uruguay likes to do. So maybe start in the 4-3-3, but... You know, we have really athletic center backs. It'll be really interesting to see how we move to a three-man uh, three back line. Where do Malik Tillman and Georgie Mihailovic, if he can go, if he's healthy, fit into that picture? Where does Tyler Adams fit into it? Do we throw Reggie Cannon in as a right center back, or does he run at the right back? Uh, who starts at left back? These are all questions that we could answer and start to sort of work on more than just the 4-3-3 in this camp. 
which is a big deal, especially if we're playing an England team that is going to threaten us quite a bit in the World Cup. I love what you said about the three in the back because that was going to be my exact point around England is usually, I'm putting my coaching hat on now, by the way, usually <laughs> when you play against an, another team playing with a three in the back formation, you would look to mirror them with your own three in the back. So we know England likes to play that way. We know they have Kyle Walker, Trent Alexander-Arnold, players that are really dangerous as wingbacks. The U.S. is going to need to figure out a way to be able to counter their formation and the way that England plays. Morocco is a really good test because they do play with five in the back or three in the back, however you see it. And that's going to be one of the first tests for the U.S. to be able to mirror a style and a formation like that and figure out our own way to implement that type of formation. So given all of that, Ryan, do we need to win these exhibition games for you to be happy? No. Uh, for me, what I see in the 90 minutes and how players are linking up and, you know, kind of if we're taking the game to the opponent is more what I would like to see. If we, if we do try three at the back and we're bunkered down really with five in the back the entire time and we're, and we're not having a lot of possession – and on top of that, we don't look dangerous on the counter. So for me, that that's the learning experience I'm looking for out of these out of these of these couple of games. Um, if we take away some wins and build some confidence, I think that's fantastic. Uh, you know, if we can see Haji Wright bang in a couple of goals, if we if Jesus Ferreira can remain hot, you know, I think that would be exciting. You know, Brendan Aronson, it's been a little while I feel like since we've seen him. So you know, really excited to see him back with the squad. So there's plenty we can see from this camp that doesn't result in, you know, a 3 nothing win over Morocco or something like that. Or it, That's not what I want to see. If we come out of this camp with, you know, a better feeling on who we're going to have at the back, we already know our midfield three and potentially an answer to that, that long asking who is our number nine question that some people love to provocatively talk about on Twitter – then, you know, if we can come out with a better picture of that, I think that's that's a camp that was a good amount of work. I mean, shots fired of, at Jake. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, speaking of one-year anniversaries, how crazy is it that Haji Wright could potentially take the spot for the number nine role if he performs in these next four games to go into the World Cup? Nobody would have seen that coming a year ago. It's It's crazy. Yeah. For me, it'll take it'll take a little bit more than you know just perform like performing well. If he performs well in this camp, I think that warrants another call up for him and continue to see. But I again, I'll I'll admit I'm not watching Turkish soccer on the weekends very often, so I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of Haji Wright. But I will say when he was at Shaika, I, I was watching him all the time, and I, I did like what I kind of saw out of his game. He's a big physical forward, and he's not afraid to you know go in for a 50-50 ball with a big defender. You used to see him do that even at like 19, 20 when he was playing with Shaika. So he's a confident kid. He's been banging in goals in the Turkish league. So I would like to, you know, we'll see what we take away from this camp and hopefully get a chance to see him get a 90-minute run out at least. But, uh, you know, we still, I don't know that if he scores a couple goals, I'm not ready to crown him as the nine yet. But it would be a great sign for sure. I'm definitely interested to see how he plays. I think that in addition to being a big physical striker, he has excellent touch. There are a couple of goals where he just pulls the ball out of the air and he just somehow sticks to his foot and he puts it home. He's very confident. His touch is very good. He knows how to sort of dominate a game now, and those are all really good qualities in a striker. 
And I think that he actually fits Burhalter systems better than a Jordan Pifok does. And to the point of how many games are left, there, there's four of these games, two exhibition matches in the fall, and that's it. So we, if anyone has a test in this camp, they kind of need to take their opportunity immediately or else they're not going to be ready for the World Cup or at least stepping over some of the other people on the depth chart. Okay, so last question on these matches then. How are you thinking about the game theory of building chemistry versus trying to test some of these new players? Is it because Morocco and Uruguay are closer to the competition that we'll see in the World Cup, that's who you want to use your best 11 against? Or is it because Granada and El Salvador are matches that essentially count uh, officially, are those the matches that you want to build chemistry with your best 11? What's that look like for you? I don't know that it's necessarily, you know, binary. I don't think it has to be one or the other. I think we can come out of this camp building chemistry and feeling like, you know, we can sprinkle in some of these guys. I'm I'm not opposed to, you know, the the 30-minute run out from Malik Tillman. I, I I would be shocked if he does get a start, but two 30-minute runouts is I think is fantastic, especially getting a guy into camp, trying to get him familiar with the team and you know, build his confidence. Let him know that he's welcome here. And, you know, we we want to have players like him join the squad and potentially bring his brother along with him. So I, for me, going into these games, of course, you know, yes, get winning and building confidence and everything like that is always a good thing. But for me, more importantly, it's going to be building chemistry and just knowing, feeling solid in who our starting 11 is going to be, or feeling like when Greg puts out an 11, maybe some of us lay fans feel like we kind of know what he's going to do. Because for me still at this point, the starting 11 is always a bit of a you know crapshoot. I'm always like, who knows? Greg could do anything. And then as far as taking you know that confidence and that chemistry over to the games in Granada and El Salvador, you know, we saw in qualifying El Salvador is no joke. And especially, I, I believe we're playing in El Salvador, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, that, that stadium is can be very intimidating. Ask Gio Reyna. And then, you know, and from uh, talking with Jay a bit, I'm hearing the pitch isn't in fantastic shape either. So if we could take the confidence or take some chemistry into those matches, I think we take the chemistry from the first two games and that's going to result in confidence from the next two games. Tom, do you agree with that, or do you have a different view on the chemistry building? I'm So I'm treating this like a World Cup group stage trial run. So we have three games, each of them about four days apart, each of them being played against. You have sort of your mid-quality opponent first, your high-quality opponent second, and then your probably lowest-quality opponent third, which almost mimics our group stage that we're going to play at the World Cup itself. Try this as a dry run of your World Cup. Try out playing different you – know, play your starters, give them reps – let them sort of get that practice of what a World Cup group stage is going to be like. We need to see Christian Pulisic and Tim Weah start to cook. We need them to get that attacking rep. We need them to start to build some chemistry with players like Weston McKenney, Eunice Musa, Anthony Robinson to get some reps down the left and then get some rest. So I really feel like we should use these first three games to really run that starting 11, get some solid reps in with our starting 11 to build that chemistry. And then we've got a Granada friendly where we can just paste a team and try out players as much as we want. Get them a chance to sort of integrate into the squad, see the patterns. If they impress, well, then we bring them into the you know, that September-friendly window in Europe and see if they can't do it against better opponents. I think that's really well said about 
Morocco, Uruguay, and, and Granada and El Salvador, how it lines up to our World Cup. That's I'm going to leave it at that because that's a wonderful and succinct point. Ryan, do you have anything else? Well, actually, I have a couple questions for Tom. I think, Tom, you crushed it. Great points. Uh, and I hadn't looked at it through that lens. And when you bring that point of view to the table, I, I it's brilliant. I love it. Um, but two questions is going to be, do you – so you were talking about the midfield and, you know, getting McKenney out there. From the – you know, he's still coming back from injury. For me, in the first couple of games, I mean, I know we want to see how our 11 – can stack up and be ready to play against uh, Uruguay or uh, Morocco. But also for me, Weston didn't look super fit when he came back. So just my concern is, is, you know, him picking up an injury or a soft muscle or like a soft muscle or soft tissue injury. Like that, that's a concern of mine for him. So I'm not opposed to like 45 minutes from each game for McKenny. Keep that. He's too important to the squad. Keep him safe. Am I on the right track, or do you see it as a risk worth taking? Oh, I, I think that you're on the right track with both him and Jedi. I think both of them, we know Jedi is struggling with some knee issues. He's rumored to possibly be having surgery this summer. McKenney's just coming back from that foot injury. Both these guys, I don't think we need to see them as much as we need our starting three to really start, our front three to start really getting that chemistry together. I'm not opposed to Luca Della Torre taking a lot of those reps. He needs to integrate into the squad more anyway. Uh, McKenney definitely should get some minutes, but we shouldn't try and overload him. We definitely shouldn't be yeah. trying out people at the eight, people who are just brand new. But someone like Luca Della Torre can step in just fine and be that starter. I feel very comfortable with that. That still, for me, is getting the core group the minutes that they need to get to be ready for the World Cup. Oh, I get it. And I'm going to be totally honest. I completely forgot what my second question was for you. Good times. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was looking for that one. <laughs> no, man, I, I was like, wait, shit, what was it again? <laughs> uh, it's been a long day, man. I'm tired. Tom's just too good. He answers everything he without is. you even knowing. He is. <laughs> you don't get a master's in physics not being great like that. No, no. No, you, you guys don't. are flattering me too much here. <laughs> you, you flatter yourself, Tom. You flatter yourself. All right. That's it for our June preview for the U.S. Men's National Team. Hopefully, we get some wins. Hopefully, we build some chemistry. Hopefully, we build some confidence going in. And Ryan, like you were saying, maybe at the end we'll know a bit better of what Greg will do with the roster on game days when it matters because right now he's essentially a wild card bitches. That's how Greg Berhalter rolls right now. And uh, maybe he'll build some consistency in his own rosters in the starting 11. All right. This is something that I've been really excited about to talk with you guys. And it's the one-year anniversary of the podcast, of the show, of the channel. June 4th, 2021 was our first show. Can you believe it? So I just want to ask you guys what your favorite memory is or, or something that you remember vividly about that first year going through this whole process of starting a podcast, starting a, a YouTube channel, talking with new people, new friends. Maybe Tom, since you're you're one of the OGs, I want to start with you and see what you think. Yeah, I mean, I just remember sort of starting it out last summer, sort of not knowing where we were going to go with it, and just being like, okay, I really like talking about soccer. I, I enjoy, you know, talking in in sort of public settings. So let's see how this goes. And it was just a lot of fun to try it, and I really enjoyed it and kept doing it. And you know, we had such great chemistry starting out, and that was just so much fun for me. And then we added Ryan and it got even better. So I also, two great favorite memories for me. First will be that we started this podcast 
in June, and the U.S. didn't lose a match until, I think, Panama in October. We went about three, four months without the U.S. actually losing a match after we started this podcast, which is a huge feather in our cap. We got we had him on a roll for a while. <laughs> it, um, it was us. Yeah, it was totally us. I, I'm, I'm going to take sole credit for that here for this podcast. We, we were the ones who sort of got the U.S. on their roll. We started right after that Honduras win, and they just went from there, won two trophies while we were talking about U.S. soccer. It was awesome to sort of see. It was a great start for us, too. My second mem- favorite memory, I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, right after Weston McKenney was dismissed from the team in the September window um, for – his conduct detrimental to team behavior. I came to a recording uh, super tired and hung over from a Canyon party we had the night before. And you guys threatened to suspend me for conduct detrimental to podcast activities. <laughs> that's, that's the one that always sticks to my mind as being one of my favorite memories from this last year. That's awesome. I, I didn't yeah. recall that immediately, but now that you say it, I do remember that. And, uh, I'll pat ourselves, me and Ryan, on the shoulder for such such great humor that we have. <laughs> and, you know, just trying to be the older statesman on the podcast and lead you in the right direction, Tom, you know. The Sometimes youth, I need the, that, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That the, the youth and the, you know, what willy-nilly just going out partying on a school night, you crazy young man. It's it was a Saturday night. These kids. <laughs> Fair play. We Fair just play. were out there till four yeah. in the morning. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Sure. What about you? Oh man, there there's a bunch, but actually, what I'd really love to point out, and what has been kind of my biggest takeaway from being a part of this pod and part of this community, like I, I obviously I want to talk and focus about the relationship that's been built between the three and four of us with Manny as well. That's it's been second to none. Uh, but also to just our Discord community and being able to talk soccer in a pretty positive environment, man. You can throw out some wild ideas in there, and it's it's not it's not Twitter, that's for sure. So yeah, you could, it, and that's what's been so cool to me. So the biggest, like, my biggest memory of it is really just kind of how I I came to be on the podcast. You know, Jake, you you had thrown it out there if anybody was interested and wanted to to jump on and talk about it. And I, you know, it's something that I had always kind of been curious to do and I've got some free time over here in Germany. So, you know, I figured why not give it a shot? And I still remember the, the, one of the first things you, the first video we did, you had me breaking down the USA versus Canada game, specifically Canada's tactics. And I think if, you know, for anybody that's been listening or anybody that's been watching the pod over the past year, um, I'm definitely not like the tactics nerd on this podcast. And so for it to be my first time, like it was just kind of like I was set up to fail, but I was, but I was so excited to do it. And, and so I just, you know, went into it. I had like five pages worth of notes. The I first remember time. that. Like, yeah. I think you watched in, the game like three times. You had a full notebook of all your notes. Yeah. Like I was just so nervous and and so worried about it all. But then over, you know, over the past year, I think, you know, it's it's more or less color commentating. Um, and then just, you know, some of their relationships and connections that I've been able to build over here in Germany, uh, which is, I've been very, very thankful and grateful to have, which has kind of been my my, if I would, my strength to add to this podcast. So it's just been cool to see the the transition and the change over the year. But actually, when we were talking about this being our one year anniversary, I did go watch back and watch 
for anybody listening to this, please don't go do it. It's so bad. Like, if anything, it, Jake, we'll talk later. If there's a way to maybe censor that video, it's yeah, so we'll, bad. We'll delete my, that. My background, I'm like in my kitchen, like with all kinds of stuff in the background. It's so bad. So really the the fun takeaway over the year has been, you know, just kind of the growth with the community and being able to jump in on the pod. And then also to just the the 1 a.m. post game, you know, going live after the game. Uh, I'm trying to remember what game it was where I had been, you know, it was like three in the morning. I think it was the Honduras game. Is that what it was? Yeah, I think it was the Honduras game. So it was like 3.30 in the morning by the time I finished. And I was easy, like uh, six to 12 pack deep by the time I jumped onto that podcast and just no holds bar. And, And so I look back at some of the moments that we've had, the ups and the downs, and to be able to share all the joys of the trophies that we won over last summer with all of you guys is just incredible. I, I really can't thank Jake enough, can't thank Tom enough, and can't thank Manny enough as well. Like it, being out here in Germany and being away from home and, you know, even though it's just online so far, it's it's been incredible to form a relationship with you guys. And you guys have, have definitely helped me out more than more than you know. Can I take it from there? Because that's kind of the perfect transition <laughs> for where I was going to go. My, I think like when we started the podcast, I was really just looking for a way to connect back to the U.S. community for a long time. And this is probably true for a lot of you guys that are listening or watching. Some of my friends were big into soccer, but not really a lot of them. The people that were really into soccer were not in my close friends group or they lived far away. A lot of it was online, whether it was Reddit, Twitter, Discord, whatever. And I was struggling a ton in just moving to a new country during COVID, like there were lockdowns. I had very little real connection to back home other than my family and the closest friends that I had. So being able to start this podcast and the channel with you guys, but also just I'm talking to you guys as well that are listening and watching and do the comments. I'm thinking about Ken, Preston, Jeff, like I'm going to miss, I'm just going to say that and stop there. Chris, yeah. Eddie, all of them. Yeah. There's so many. Um, All of that just made me feel so much closer to home. And really, like, I know it's silly to say, but I feel like we do have the best community here just because of that. Like I've, I really feel close to Tom and Ryan and Manny, but I also feel close to all of you guys that have been watching and it, it's called soccer is a rebrand from FIFA America. But if you were really here from the beginning on June 4th, you'll know that it was Yanks go talking originally right. as well, which horrible name. I don't know. Maybe that's <laughs> yeah, not me. our, not our best time. idea. It was the two of us. <laughs> we're like, yeah, we'll try it. It might work. We'll change it later if we don't like it. <laughs> yeah. So all that to say um, this, this channel, this community, this podcast, you guys have just really helped me to pull me out of a funk and just, find a new group of people to be close with a new friend group. And without this, like I'm considering thinking about this as a career change going full time potentially. So a year in to have this type of success, that feels like a weird word, but this type of success with the podcast that's consistently getting hundreds of listens and downloads. I remember like our first few episodes, we'd be like, Oh my God, this episode got a hundred views on YouTube and now we expect it to get 
you know, 1200, 1500 views each time. So just to see that growth and like be cheering it along with you guys and along with the team, it's, it's been an awesome experience. Um, one highlight for me though, is I reached out to uh, Hugo Perez, the coach of El Salvador on Twitter, asking if he wanted to be on the channel, if he was open to it. He, I'm not going to divulge many details, but essentially we got to the point where I was able to interview him, talk about the team, talk about Greg Berhalter, talk about his plans for El Salvador. I've been able to meet um, Jonathan Tompkinson, the Leal brothers, all of these players that are eligible for the U.S. men's national team going ahead in the future. And I know Ryan has some close relationships with players in Germany as well. So guys, thank you for being along for this ride, but um, it, it's been awesome with Tom, Ryan, Manny, but just everyone that's watching, that's commenting, that's listening, you guys have been just as much a part of it. So that's a very long form way to say thank you, but I've had yeah, a that's what I was gonna in the say. last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's basically just a huge thank you to all you guys. That's, that's really what we're all saying. Oh yeah. I, I, the FIFA America discord or the four FIFA America discord. Now the is called soccer discord is one of my favorite places to hang out and just chat with people. So the community is great. Uh, the our podcast sections are the only comment sections I'll read on YouTube because they're generally way more positive than the rest of YouTube. I really just appreciate how awesome everyone who's listening has been and supporting us and creating such a fun, positive soccer community. Yeah. Again, Tom with the succinct, wonderful words to uh, smooth all of us out that ramble. Okay. One last topic and we'll make it a, uh, a quick question because I really, I'm feeling the love right now. That was a great segment. Thank you guys for humoring me on that. Um, Ethan Horvath and Alex Mighton were part of the Nottingham Forest team that just won promotion to the Premier League. Ethan Horvath came in for an injured Samba for the last few minutes of the game and did play in this championship game. Next year, going into the Premier League season, the U.S. national team will have three backup goalkeepers, presumably playing in the Premier League. Zach Steffen at Manchester City. Ethan Horvath at Nottingham Forest, and Matt Turner will make his transfer to Arsenal. Guys, my, my one question for this is, which goalkeeper next year gets the most playing time in the Premier League, or who goes out on loan to ensure their place as a starter on the U.S. national team going into the World Cup? Ryan, maybe let's start with you. So there's been some rumors floating around, and I believe even confirmed by Fabs as well, uh, that, you know, Samba could be on the way out from Nottingham Forest. And, you know, in the time in which Horvath was their starter when Samba was out with COVID, he did a great job. So I don't think Nottingham Forest is going to go out of their way to go try to sign somebody. So it, it's funny. I've, I feel like I've kind of been one of the people banging the drum. If you go back and watch a lot of these episodes – Horvath is coming out of my mouth a lot. So I think, you know, I, it would not shock me. I would not be electrically charged to see Horvath end up with the most minutes and potentially end up as our starter as we roll into the World Cup. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it on goalkeepers for now. I think we should jump into Mighton here, though, in a minute. Yeah, and I'll vouch for you. You, you did speak on Ethan Horvath's behalf many, many times. He's my guy, man. <laughs> Tom, you agree? Yeah, I think Horvath's got to be in pole position. He's not starting on a top six team. He's not. Uh, I think that he's got a chance to either, you know, if Samba doesn't go, possibly go out on loan to the championship, possibly make a permanent transfer to the championship as a starter. I think that 
if Samba does go, Horvath would be a great starter for them in the Premier League. The other two playing at the clubs they do with the keepers who are in front of them, I just don't see either of them, A, being willing to go out on a loan or their team being willing to send them out on a loan, or B, actually having a chance at meaningful minutes. They'll have some cup games, but that's not what I'd call meaningful when you're talking about World Cup form. Horvath, I think, is in the much better situation compared to his two colleagues in the Premier League. Yeah, makes maybe, total sense. Maybe you, maybe you guys can refresh me a little bit on this, and hopefully, you know, I'm not the only one thinking this. But I can't remember if this was actually Stefan talking about it or just the tons of conversations had on Twitter about it. Is Stefan did say that he did want to push for a loan this upcoming season, correct? Or was that just the conversation that people want him to push for a loan? I can neither confirm nor deny because I don't know for sure. <laughs> yeah, but I maybe someone down below in the comments can let us know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think obviously if Stefan, because for me, that has always been Stefan's downfall a little bit is, you know, he's shaky commanding his box. Sometimes he doesn't make the split that second decision that has to be made, and that decision's only made by a confident goalkeeper. But back when Stefan was playing week in, week out with Dusseldorf, he was making those split second decisions and commanding his box really well and having one of the highest save percentages in the Bundesliga. So I think that definitely Stefan will push very hard for that position if he is able to get a loan. But if he doesn't go out, then, you know, Tom, you nailed it. And again, the, the phrase that you chose to use in pole position, I think is great because it's not like he's in between two poles or anything. <laughs> Nice. Oh, that's a horrible joke. Double. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, guys. Welcome that's back. Double. Welcome back. Let's go. <laughs> and the show is now called It's Called Soccer. So we don't we do also have to shout out the CONCACAF brother Richie Larea, who is also part of the Nottingham Forest team, but didn't even make the bench for this this championship playoff. Um Alex Mighton is a dual national English American that not many people know. So Ryan, what do you have to say on Mr. Mighton? So he popped up on my radar uh, probably at the beginning of last season. So I went out of my way to because anytime there's dual nap panic, I'm in for it. I, I eat up dual, dual nap panic like it's nobody's business. Uh, so I went out of my way to make sure I was able to catch a handful of Nottingham Forest games. And, you know, he was coming in in sub roles, saw him start a couple of times. Uh, to be honest with you right now, if we're talking our wingers are Brendan Arison, Christian Pulisic, Timothy Weah, and then if that fourth position is open, whether that's Gio Reyna out there or if you see Gio Reyna centrally, you know, I, I think that's to be determined. But even though he's going to be someone playing in the Premier League, like that's really, really stiff competition. So people are going to hear dual nat, English-American, playing in the Premier League. But I, I would highly encourage a lot of people to do their best to go out and try to see some of his games because he's a talented young kid, yes. But I didn't come away like, oh, my God, we have to have this kid. Like, first time I saw Eunice, yeah, I was like, absolutely. Like, this kid is a game changer for our team. Mighton is a welcomed addition to the squad. Absolutely. I think he still has some room for growth, still a young man. But, you know, I, I don't, I definitely don't see him, even if, you know, he shows out well in the Premier League in, in, or at least getting regular minutes in the first half of next season. This is not a guy that I think we see in 2022 or, yeah, 2022. 
but more or less a guy we're looking at if he continues to be- develop a 2026 kind of guy. But even in 2026, look at the four people we're talking about as our wingers right now. All those guys are still going to be super young too. So, you know, Mighton, I don't think he'll have a tough choice to make because I don't think it's, you know, he's going to be in the England roster anytime soon because we're talking about, in my opinion, I think he'd even struggle to crack ours. But, you know, still time to see, young kid. But in the meantime, he's got stiff competition. I like who we have on the wings right now. Yeah, almost the same exact story for someone like Fuller and Balogun, who's an English-American dual national, uh, is signed to Arsenal but was loaned to Middlesbrough. Had an okay season in the championship. Will probably go back to Arsenal or go go out on loan again. He's not cracking the English national team anytime soon, but he he would be a welcome addition to try out for the U.S. team at this point. He's him and Alex Mighton both have done really well in the U21 English or the U21 Euro uh, group stages or qualification with the English national team, the the youth team, but they're they're both probably a little bit further away from even getting with the U.S. team and not really a danger to uh, to commit to the English national team just yet. All right, guys, anything else before we go to last words? No, I, I, just, I was just going to send like a comment out. on... I'll just make a quick comment Before on both of them. I think I see them almost look, taking the Luca De La Torre career trajectory of, you know, trying desperately to crack that Premier League squad at Fulham. Probably not going to be a regular minutes getter in the Premier League and after having to go somewhere else, and maybe we see them in 2026. But I don't see them as being, you know, Premier League players this year. Yeah, and then also, too, just, uh, you know little comment in there as well as you know everyone likes to bag on people being eurocentric and everything like that being euro snobs there's a little evidence for you guys right there here here's somebody that you know definitely takes the euro stance on this podcast but telling you that even some of the guys in europe right now i don't know they're good enough to break our squad so i'll leave Would you that take as it paul Ariola over alex mighton Hmm. <laughs> uh, there, that's a very nuanced question. Uh, I would need to know quite a few details. Um, frankly, right now with a healthy Gio Reyna, I think, you know, on this, we're, we're not even talking about Paul Ariola or Josh Sargent or anybody like that. Easy out. So, yeah, yeah. So let's, let's just say, you know, we don't even need to have that conversation with the healthy Gio Reyna. I'll leave it at nice. that. I think the whole community would be happy if we could stop arguing about, even though I'm a fire starter, I guess, now on the Paul Ariola debate. But anyways, I digress on that. I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> Let's have the last word. Uh, Tom, we'll, fin- we'll go to you so that you can continue driving. Good, sir. What is your last word? Um, my last word is, you know, thanks for a great year, everyone. Hopefully the next couple of years and uh, going forward continue to be awesome looking forward to a world cup and to, you know, a great summer of soccer. So, you know, hopefully I see all of you guys in Kansas city. Uh, I'd love to meet some people and, you know, hang out and chat some soccer and yeah. Um, I'm hopefully this drive ends soon because it's going on too long. <laughs> you, you were less succinct and magical in that last word, but we'll, we'll give yeah. you a pass there, Tom. I can't, I can't get it up all the time to get perfect word. <laughs> we'll, we'll move it to Ryan then. Maybe he can do the yeah, perfect word. 
It's, it's almost like Tom's multitasking right now. Yeah, right, dude. You don't want me to do perfect word. I'll have some cheesy ass dad joke or something like that and ruin this whole podcast. Uh, no, I'll, I'll really just kind of follow with what Tom said and really just thanking everybody for, you know, all of the support over the past year. It's been really fun to continue to grow with you guys. And, you know, we I had a bit of a like a little bit of time off from the podcast over the last couple of like what five six weeks probably and so just really pumped to be back really looking forward to another summer with a bunch of games that we're going to be involved in and leading up to the world cup and you know how how tom was saying that he hopes to see a lot of you guys at the tailgate for granada um you know if for those of you let's let's give a little reward for those that watched till the very end uh, you know, I hope to see maybe some of you in Dresden in September, and I'll leave it at that. Ooh, a oh, little dang. spice, a little wow. slice of uh, some. Hey, those those that stick around, those that stick around to the 48th minute, you you guys get that stuff. <laughs> they're they're in extra time right now, and that's not talking about extra time. The MLS podcast. Hold Anyways, on. sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to echo what you guys said. Thank you so much to everyone for following us, for watching. If you could do us a huge favor, if you're watching this on YouTube and you're not subscribed to the channel, make sure to subscribe to the channel. If you are listening to us or if you're watching us, who knows, leave a positive review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It goes a really long way in helping to show this podcast to new soccer fans. Otherwise, join us Wednesday night or Wednesday afternoon if you're in the U.S. to watch Scotland versus Ukraine and hang out with us while we do a watch along. Go find Tom at the Uruguay game, and we will see you guys next time on It's Called Soccer. Peace. See you guys. If you're still watching, can I please ask that you subscribe to the channel as it helps immensely to influence the YouTube algorithm. And thanks so much to Bet Online for sponsoring this video. Please gamble responsibly.